Hello and welcome to my podcast, Cover Monkeys. My name's Roxy and I am your host. This podcast was born out of my admiration for the working musicians around me and a love for the nuance of live music performance and long-form podcasts. I wanted it to be a forum to take inspiration from your local heroes, to create a community in our industry, and to see how working musicians around me have made a living. I also just really wanted three-hour conversations with musicians I really thought were awesome. <laughs> On a selfish note, we talk about business, practice, mental health, being self-employed, and a wine and beer if we want it. So I look forward to you joining me and my guests for a good old chinwag. So on episode three of Cover Monkeys, I have the amazing Carly Bryant. So I work with Carly in a covers band called Sazu, a wedding band. And she's been an insane source of inspiration. She has done so many massive gigs from working with Freak Power, Osmotantes, um, a French artist called Nadea, um, Z-Star, and a whole manner of um, people, including as well writing six albums herself um i think that includes a uh, color with uh, sergio diaz uh, and then a uh, melody 101 albums and her solo ones she's just got a incredible work ethic and attitude and one of the calmest demeanors i've ever come across uh, she's been so great to work with and just has a wealth of knowledge on songwriting on originals music um we just had time for a short podcast about an hour and a half before we headed off to go watch Z-Star, who's playing at Casas and then play at Casas ourselves. If you don't have a lot of time, um, it's worthwhile to skip to the end. And she talks about uh, one of her most successful um, mail outs that she sent to some of her fans, which is really, really awesome what she did then. She reads this really cool poem she wrote about the industry. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, Carly Bryant, everyone. You're allowed to burp. That's it's okay. just a gurgle. Just to Google. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I've got Kai here. Was that recording? Yes, oh, it was. The gurgle. Good. Yeah. That's what I've got. That's the most important part. Mm. Um, right. I don't have my contacts on, so tell me if it's clipping, please. Oh, okay. That's yes. That's your job now. Okie doke. Anyway, so, um, Carly, you play keys and everything. <laughs> all the instruments. Not really all the instruments. Mostly... The piano. The piano. Yes. And uh, and a little guitar. Um, basically, you did... I'm, gonna I'm worried you're going to knock that glass over. Yeah, I can see that happening. I'm sitting with the most clumsy person I think I've ever met. Yeah, no, I definitely am. Ah. I Every time we move, like one of my biggest troubles is like getting the coffee stains off the carpet. Yeah, right. Red wine's fine because you just put white wine on it. If you have white wine... I mean, oh. sometimes, you know, you've drank the white wine. <laughs> yes. And then what? And you've spilt the red wine. It's a disaster. <laughs> well, that's the real <laughs> question. Yeah, these are real life problems. Yeah, not like actual <clears throat> career stuff. No. So um, you've got potentially five albums, yeah. six if you include colour. Yes, yes. There's there's, there's like, um, yeah, six, six albums and two EPs. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you like, I would say like you're one of the few people I know, um, um, other than Z who I met recently, like, but who sort of you know kind of dabbles in and out, but has made a living from original music for a long time. Uh huh. Like, so what did you do like straight out of college? When was your first album? When was the first time you were, like started that? Well, straight out of I went. I did. I studied music um, at Brunel University, and. Um, before Brunel, I kind of had a deal, a record deal with my sister. Oh, um, yeah. And we got quite far with some stuff and things were looking quite exciting. And then it was a case of like, do you want to uh, do this properly? Well, because if you want to go to university, you need to sort of decide now. And we both decided, yeah, let's get some education behind us. And I didn't know if, I, if I've regretted that forever. I grew up learning classical piano and guitar um, so I was like composing for orchestras and composing right. for like um, dancers and stuff like that and it was that was all I was doing during my degree and then like straight away after after graduating this opportunity came up with the PRS foundation that I applied for and it was songwriting which I'd kind of turned my back on for three years 
and I got I won a place there and it was just it just got me totally inspired again basically and I didn't I actually realize you'd won that place I do want to just before we move on to the PRS thing yeah I want to touch on the fact that you said you might regret mm. having the university thing mm. because um is it all all right yeah I'm gonna just lift the microphone up a bit oh yes because it's it's almost in my nether regions. <laughs> well, yes, we wanted to have a conversation with your vagina. Yeah, well, not today. You don't. Yeah. I mean, it's angry. <laughs> oh, edit that out. There we go. Yeah, wait, it, oh. No, it's not. As soon as you say edit that out, it means it's not being edited out. You know that's a rule. You don't listen to enough things to know that is the rule. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, anyway, sorry. I wanted to touch on because I've yeah. actually been considering going to university uh-huh. for guitar. Yeah. It's something that keeps coming in and out of my brain. Yeah. And um, yeah. And you say you don't think it helped your career. No. I. But that was just for me. I don't think it did. And I don't think like a university degree. I think if you're specifically going to study an instrument, then that's a different matter. Um, I think like the thing that I really got from um, from my time at university was that I had a different piano teacher than than what I'd been used to all my upbringing, which was my mum. And so that really, you know, nothing bad against my mum, but it was just so interesting to have a a different teacher. And and I learned so much from her. That was like the only thing I can say I took away as good from my music degree. I loved everything I did and composed, but I don't feel that, I needed the university to to help me with that. I was doing And you it don't think home. that time helped you with progress or just growing up or anything? No, I think I learned a lot more throwing myself into like playing um after right. I'd finished studying and just being in a situation where I like you know needed to earn some money and pay rent and yeah, just I just played and played and played and played like every night played in right. a different place and busked every weekend and that was after university yeah so so you finished university yeah. okay so and then you got this one this prs thing was this during yeah this the... was like a one-off thing and it was like a a kind of um thing to collaborate with these songwriters and musicians from hong kong so they their equivalent of prs is called cash um i can't remember what that stands for and so cash and prs did like a thing together and we were just sort of we worked with a lot of good songwriters and the like the famous guy with, who was there was Peter Sarsted who's the guy that had a number one in the 60s called Where Do You Go To My Lovely um, oh. do you know that song? maybe so, <laughs> I mean it sounds like every other song from I, the 60s I'm I love bad musician. it's a beautiful song but it was like one of these songs that uh, well he told us that uh, he like was desperate to put it on the on the album and the record label were like no it's too risky like it's in three four and it's got an accordion in it and stuff like that and um it was like it was an album filler in the end but it turned out to be the one that was number one for a record number of weeks and he was still to that day making over sixty thousand pounds per quarter from the one song in his prs statement so it's really like that just knowing that after you know working so hard in classical music for three years just made me go like fuck classical music I want to I'm a songwriter I'm not you know I love writing for for orchestras but I I it's much um more rewarding um to write I think a song like a powerful song yeah yeah okay so and I think it touches more people like today but that's not to say I hope classical music fades out because i hope it no, stays it's forever. just for you yeah you didn't want to be doing that full time which yeah. is a, a different yeah. thing yeah so you did this prs thing that yeah. sounds amazing so that yeah. like that kind of revived your love for songwriting yeah. Yeah. was it a lot of the technical things of songwriting because i of course did a course with pat patterson like just this online coursera one when i just come to england and i found cool. I found that really enlightening on some of the more technical things you don't think about in songwriting. Yeah. Like, do you, have you done a lot of studying of songwriting? Um, no. I, I I really turn off when it comes to sort of studying that. I just think either it's going to happen or it's not. Like, I think... Yeah. I think... Like, I, I don't think I've ever thought I must now sit down and write a song. You just start writing songs. And then you 
it's it's just it's like magic if you hit upon the right thing and sometimes you hit upon the wrong thing and I just I don't think I mean like you and I we play together in a covers band and I watch like every time we play that song call me Al I see like everyone dancing around the room for some reason or other those words are implanted in their mind they seem to know them they don't know why they know them but they do and it's a song about a midlife crisis and about a guy who's like gone a bit fat around his middle and who's like you know talking to his wife and saying like you know let's you and me look after each other during this time and it's like so random so how can you possibly say that there's rules and regulations to writing songs when a song like that can still however many years later like 30 odd years later be ingrained in people's minds and make them like dance like mad around a dance floor it's well i mean one of the things they were saying is like of course there are exceptions i mean if you watch the queen movie which i don't know i didn't watch it yet okay it's good is it i'd prefer a documentary like oh is it an actual film yeah yeah it's a film film that's good like he did an amazing portrayal of freddie mercury i don't know personally like it's very hollywood is is the general consensus like there's good stuff in it but darn hollywood darn hollywood um but like anyway one of the things that comes across of course they go over bohemian rhapsody and of course everyone was like nope 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 yeah because of course that's never going to work and of course it did yeah you know they even had uh, i won't reveal funny things to you anyway (laughs) Point being, that kind of worked. And what these songwriting lecturers talk about is they say, look, yes, there are exceptions and cool. Mm. But the same with anything. It's like, you know, you don't have to play within the chord. But knowing the chord theory is still very helpful. Sure. To knowing when you're stepping outside. Yeah. So I don't think that it necessarily means you need to know. But they're kind of saying, look, the rule is if you look at most of the hits. Yeah. These are kind of general form and formulaic components yeah same if you look at most of music these are the formulae so that's i mean i don't know how you feel about that whether that's relevant or it's just not ever the songwriter you want to be i think that's totally true like i the the songwriter i want to be is authentic so i i write something that i believe in if it's not quite resonating then i change it and and i don't mind like reworking songs i'm not sort of i don't think i'm some like you know artist that is so special that you know if someone says to me oh, that, i quite like that song but you know sometimes people say i just don't really understand what you're on about and i think okay, if you don't understand what i'm on about then maybe i need to make it a bit clearer because yeah. what's the point in it just being for you and in terms of like you're talking about covers and obviously you're making a phenomenal um name for yourself as a covers musician <laughs> I don't know, but thank yes you, you are yeah and and you've you've come from that background and your dad is really into it and everything and i think like for me it's been a really inspirational to meet you and to see you be so passionate about uh-huh. about singing covers because i guess i've lost a little bit of my passion for that and the thing that i really think as a songwriter is that when you play covers um you you are reminded of what works and what doesn't work and you know you, right. you can sort of dissect songs and I like um me and my my writing partner in Paris Dio we both like we were putting together once a set list for a party that some friends of ours had asked can you play at the party and we were like let's not just do all the all the classic stupid covers let's find some really strange things so you know we did like some Erica Badu and some Alanis Morissette and nice. like some strange stuff and then one of the songs, I, I was I don't know why I like this song so much, but Maniac, you know, from Flashdance, the film. Yeah. She's a maniac. Maniac. That's a great maniac. That would go down really well. It's amazing. And then... Oh, now I'm just thinking what to... I can medley that over. But seriously, <laughs> if you dissect this song, but harmonically, it's yeah. mental. It's so, right. so interesting. There's no single pop rule in there. And, right. and yet somehow it really like engages people. People can sing along with it. Um, it's got like I think it's in E flat minor so is that right E flat minor yeah so that's if you're just looking at the triad like E flat G flat and B flat Um, but then he comes in singing on the ninth just a steel town girl and then the uh, keyboard harmony underneath the guitars E flat minor smashes in on a B which is a (laughs) ding 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 i think it's like uh 
thirteenth or a, maybe a flat thirteen, but it's a total yeah. um, clash because yeah. you've got the B flat from the E flat minor triad. Yeah. You've got the ninth that he's singing, and then you've got this B like 13, pushing yeah. against it all. And yet, if you don't play all that, all those collections of notes when you're covering this song, you're you're sort of it doesn't work. The song doesn't right. work as well. And then when you do it, it's it's magical. It really puts like shivers down your spine. So it's worth um, studying cover songs. Like I mean, that's, coming back to what you were saying. Originally. That's interesting that you say that cover songs is beneficial to original music. Yeah. Because I think, and I'm sure you've experienced it, like mm. th- there's this weird kind of conflict between the two that yeah. I don't think functions musicians have. No. And a lot of working originals musicians don't have. Like even the guys who are working, you know, um, there was a guy who was just on Megan Trainer's tour, a bass player who came to Sam when he got home was like, hey, look, I've got a gap between yeah. gigs. Do you have any wedding gigs on offer? Uh-huh. So kind of knowing that you can meld between the two and there's no embarrassment. Whereas I think a lot of kids when they come out of university and they're like, oh, I'm an original musician. And yeah. there's there's this slight judgment. Yeah of the art I don't know if you felt that or still feel that yeah definitely like and I think people think that like when you're doing a big tour or something like I've had now experience of doing that they assume what you're talking Osmotantes or Freak Power or both um yeah both but more Osmotantes because we did a longer tour and And like do you remember like those photos are yeah there was some yeah this this like the in particular there was in the Brazil show there was um, an audience of 70,000 people and that's the most I've ever played to and it was you know it was really impressive and when I say impressive I mean like it made an impression on me it was it was um yeah really cool and mm. and then do you remember I got home and I played with you at a wedding yeah we Devon. played in Devon it was and a beautiful you, venue but it yeah. was but I remember before you kept saying to me like oh I'm so grateful you do oh god I don't I don't know why you do this and I was like what I wanted to say to you is like yeah like it, just because you do that doesn't mean like you're rich all of a sudden it's like tours happen and then they go away yeah and then that's that like you can't just assume all right now I'm forever like a touring musician that's gonna like keep raking in money you have to keep doing other stuff and as much as you might if you think you're above it then you're probably a bit of a dick like it's it's like music to music isn't it yeah i had a great time at that wedding we played in oh, devon it was, fun. They it was really fun. it was so nice yeah as well. and we did that like jump around oh yeah we did <laughs> that, that was, was really great. fun and we we're on the beach jump around as a first dance yeah <laughs> it was, that was awesome so yeah. i think it's like yeah just you just have to like music's music just keep playing and yeah I think across the boards like even my dad but I mean my dad has done eternally covers and more like like your I would say your career from what I've seen has been originals have you given up on the headphones well I just realized you're not wearing them only because my headphones didn't reach (laughs) so I'll wear the headphones (laughs) you actually want to wear them I like wearing them okay they're making me a bit hot oh no I I feel cool I feel like I'm doing a real job you look cool thanks yeah Yeah, hardcore is my vibe no <laughs> right um sorry we're talking about um yeah it might like your career i would have say is like originals yeah spursed with covers yeah and like if you look at someone like my dad's career it's been you know covers yeah. spursed with some originals uh-huh. and his has been spursed with comedy original yes. which which yes. is interesting a different vibe but like throughout the biggest thing is just like loving playing yeah exactly. and i think Anytime, and it's also because I know you spoke about teaching once because you did teaching. For yeah, when I first graduated, I taught piano um, in like one private school and then like seven or eight different um, uh, comprehensive schools in Brighton. And I did that like flat out. Um, and yeah, just after a while, I just realized that oh, I'm, I'm not putting enough of my heart into this anymore. And, you know, kids need inspiring and I was I was I was in the mood to inspire them at the beginning and then I just I don't know I needed I needed to get to get this other part of me out which was like recording and and performing more um and and I felt like teaching all the time was restricting me from going to the next level because I had to be 
um, chained into my address and the school term timetable and um, so I just sort of took the leap of faith and left all of the jobs yeah it's weird because I wanted to say like I wanted to discuss kind of like how you know when you're not enjoying playing, that's when you need to kind of move your field of interest yeah. in the industry. Yeah. And I think that happens with teaching a lot. But something interesting you said there is that the inability to get up and go. Uh-huh. And that's something that's interesting. Like the flexibility that being freelance yeah. offers you is huge. And I suppose that's, you know, you ended up, how soon after that did you end up in France? like really soon after that yeah it was I I remember it was December 2011 that I fully kicked every teaching job and I had a lot of teaching jobs at that point um and um yeah I'm interrupting now had you recorded an album at this stage yeah I'd recorded um two two albums um and I'd done and I'd been playing like yeah so so much um but only to you know as often the thing that the thing that changed was I really um I really admire this singer-songwriter Arnie DeFranco who used to be my kind of favorite artist like now not so much but I at this particular phase in my life I loved her and I was so inspired by her story um and I recommend anyone to look her up and she's now kind of I think in her maybe her early 50s maybe even mid 50s I'm not sure but she's got something like 30 35 albums out um she's just been prolific and she's not stopped and um I was and she just does a solo show as well it's just her and her guitars and I love what she does and I saw her play when I I spent three months in Vancouver and she played a folk festival and I saw wait why how did you end up three months in Vancouver because I just decided I wanted to go to Vancouver and um, so I got a visa and uh, went in between the second and third year of my degree. Oh, sick. Okay. And I got a job in a uh, Chinese um, (laughs) violin repair shop. (laughs) (laughs) I never knew this about you. And I learned how to repair violins and I also had a job in a CD shop. Um, How have I avoided all this knowledge of your so I had the Chinese violin there. repair in yeah maybe. yeah Tom Lee music um, to be fair I worked with a violin player and, and you know never know maybe she crossed your path yeah see what in player. Vancouver yeah Natasha Rutz she's a redhead violin player I worked with her in Beijing for a while she's brilliant I she taught it no you wouldn't know her. <laughs> no I wasn't saying like oh you went to a country once do you know this one person from that country she played violin yeah oh the guys you get doing that at the end of a show that would be so good if if, um, it would be great never know that had happened maybe you'd repaired no. her violin no no I didn't repair any of the violins I just I don't know what I did really but I, <laughs> I uh, stood about a lot translated pretended to oh. to be um no they're English speaking um but um yeah just pretend, and also you don't know Chinese so no <laughs> there's that much I've gathered about you yeah yeah that's um, not sorry so you, you did so that so and then actually yeah so there was a, a folk festival there a really big one on the beach on Jericho Beach I think it's called Jericho Folk Festival and um, Arnie DeFranco was the headline this singer songwriter she's female uh, not male as people often think Arnie um, and um, and no like the friends I've made couldn't believe I hadn't heard of her and I was sort of you know just okay um, now I haven't fuck off leave me alone. <laughs> I hate it when people are like, how have you not heard of this band? Well, I haven't. Yeah, so yeah. you shouting heard. at me makes me not want to hear yeah. of them now. <laughs> and like all, all through the evening, all these bands were playing. There's lo- loads of noise and atmosphere. It's thousands of people on the beach. Beautiful. And then finally the headline comes on and it's just one tiny woman. She's like five foot two and her guitar. And my God, the show she put on was just it changed my, my life. I think yeah. like from that moment on, I just... I wanted to write more like that and and to be able to pull off a solo show like that. And anyway, I saw she was touring in Europe and in 2011. I thought, fuck it, I want to be her support act. I'm going to make this happen. Like, okay. imagine something, believe in it and go for it. So I emailed, emailed, emailed and then finally got a, uh, a phone call from someone associated with her label and said we've shortlisted you and five others and we're putting you six to Arnie and she'll choose herself and that's how we do it here 
So I was, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, one day I was in the car outside my house, like having just taught at one school and like waiting to drive to the next school um, to teach more. And I got a phone call to say like, she's chosen you, you're gonna be the support act. <laughs> and it was at Concord two in Brighton. And that was the day I quit all my teaching jobs. I just yeah, thought, it makes like, sense. this is a sign. And That's so, great in cinematic as well, I love it. Yeah, I, I just literally like, I, I got off the phone to him and I, I started calling the schools and saying, I'm sorry, I've got to hand in my notice for you. Well, at stand. age what is this? This was 2011, December. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what How age I was, was then. Like 26, maybe. Sorry, I've Something revealed like your that. age. No. I'm very comfortable with revealing my age. <laughs> it's fine. You look fabulous for it. So good. <laughs> it's not like, oh, you're that young. Sorry, I thought <laughs> you were 50, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's my like um, dramatic... Um, like quitting my real job and um jumping into the fear of being a full-time musician story so that was when i registered self-employed and became like full-on like right this is what i'm doing um and how did the show go did it like meet your expectations yeah it was amazing it was it was uh, you know i absolutely i um i smashed it (laughs) (laughs) okay no it was fine I mean it, I think it was good I, I played some songs she, and she stood in the wings like watching oh that's lovely and she gave me her set list at the end her handwritten cool set list and she wrote my name across it and said it was lovely to meet you and um, yeah it was just like a really a great kind of moment in my life yeah and it was a nice meeting as well she didn't like disappoint yeah because yeah. meeting your heroes often can oh yeah I've yeah I've met a few um dickheads as you south africans say <laughs> is that a south african thing i don't just... know i was just tr- I, I feel like you say that quite a bit i do say dickhead a lot but i feel like you pronounce it more like duck than dick <laughs> duck it yeah you duck it. You duck you dickhead no, is it like that <laughs> you're okay so uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so you ended up quitting all the jobs because of that so like had you been yeah. doing so you'd done two albums already at this point yeah but those both solo albums yeah i think from what i know did you perform them solo though as well oh what the actual recording like like i mean live when you did them no like i actually got some musicians together and like the first album when we launched it comedia we had i think 11 of us on stage because i just like kept making <laughs> friends with all these musicians and be like yeah you join it but luckily they were all really good and um and it sounded awesome um yeah that was a really great gig actually and oh, so uh, do you have any live footage no because this was in the days before youtube <laughs> <laughs> and before we had phones with cameras on this was like 2000 and uh 2005 okay yeah fair were you alive yet of course i was fucking alive <laughs> but no. i was like what <laughs> 12 Something like that. I was, no, I was born in '91. Never mind. I'm lying. I'm, I was 16. I was 16? a fully fledged human. Okay. Yeah, I'm older cool. than you think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You do you feel better now? Yes. I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I so, but we, no, I nearly thought I was. Like, though. I couldn't of, Like. Um, I always like, remember '94. And... Sorry, this is very. Imp- I remember '94 because that's the date. Sort of apartheid ended and Medela uh-huh. came to power. That would but be I wasn't born then. <laughs> born in 91 so i don't know what that was okay. so yeah because i was working up from 94 and i was like no i wasn't ah okay symbolically born ah. that day <laughs> no, right okay Sweet. so anyway so that sounds okay so you got loads of people so you're playing loads and then yep. you found this woman so you just message measured i mean the funny thing is like everyone talks about a couple of people i know think oh no if you're good enough it'll happen or whatever mm. but like the resounding thing of people who do well, it seems to be that they went and knocked on the doors. Yeah. Like, yes, you put the work in. You mm. made the albums. You made the bands. You yeah. performed. But you went and said, I want to be on that tour and went, hey, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Hire me. Yeah. Have me as your support. Yeah. Yeah. because everyone is busy and we can't just assume, like, I think it's a bit arrogant to assume that people are going to remember you when they've got, you know, a zillion like we know how quickly your inbox gets filled with any old crap whether it's work or not and suddenly like someone's name has gone down and it's off the page and then you just totally forget to ever and then your dog craps on the carpet or you have to do laundry or you've pissed off your girlfriend or yes you like have to you know have a pimple 
or a boy on your ass (laughs) (laughs) naming no names naming no names right now although sitting is very uncomfortable oh are you okay (laughs) you're doing well I'm, i'm fine the red wine has helped awesome anyway um okay so we were then so you went to um had this gig quit all yeah. your teaching job yeah and you were like i'm gonna go full-time music and then yeah. what happened from there what happened was i um took a random trip to paris um and um a friend of mine was advertising that she wanted to sublet her apartment and i felt like actually that it was a moment like personally in my life um that it was a despite having this great revelation of leaving all my work, um, something else went wrong in my life, which was um, to do with my partner's mental health. And we had to be separated for a long time and she was in hospital for a long time. And I just felt like um, I was a bit trapped in Brighton and I had a few too many eyes on me and I just needed to get away for a bit. So when I saw that my friend was had her apartment in Paris it felt like great I can go and hide there for a bit and I had the excuse of like I know I'm a musician now so I have to like broaden my horizons and find new gigs and I speak French so I was able to contact a load of venues there and say I'm coming and luckily managed to get like four or five gigs and I took my busking amp and I sold CDs and I was there and when I was there doing all of that I met this girl called Nadea who had a top 10 album at the mo- at that time in the charts and was doing really well and had this tour booked and basically her keyboard player had a brain aneurysm just before going oh, on tour. Yes, I remember you so yeah, basically that's that was the next stage for me. It was like things just fell into place because this poor guy had a, had, you know, he, like, I can confirm he is fine now. Um, but basically she needed a keys player who could sing there and then. But a lot of the times it's right place, right time. Yeah. But I don't think, and it's kind of hard because you say it, there is an element of luck to it, but, but what is the element of luck? The fact that you took the luck was there the luck is everywhere in some weird way mm. but like the fact that you messaged loads of venues and got gigs the yeah. fact that you went there the fact that you kept yeah. in contact the fact that you might have messaged first or replied really quickly it's yeah all of those things yeah that add and up. plus like that i put a lot of hours in my life into practicing how to learn songs so like when she said i need someone and we're leaving in two weeks can you learn the entire set and you know she was playing big shows um i could i had like i wasn't bullshitting when i said to her yeah i can do that i've seen youtube videos of that first show and you know i've i don't hit one wrong note it's like i'm not sitting here like saying i'm amazing but that was that is part of it like you have to keep practicing but but also knowing you have the skill it's like you can only get more skilled if you practice yeah if you stop practicing then i think you you do lose it you but do you yeah. think that's just practicing or practicing learning songs? Practicing, practicing okay, so scales and practicing, yeah, just bit, yeah, playing along to music. Um, so have you always had that discipline? Because that that was something I wanted when I was thinking about doing this podcast. I wanted to ask because, of course, what I know of you, um, and and for most of what I know of you, you've been in your new house where you have yeah. the recording studio space. Yeah. But I also know that you lived in an apartment yeah. with your partner for like like this tiny little apartment in France yeah and had to have a space there like how have you navigated because you've obviously always had a workspace and been able to just hanker down yeah like are you just good at focusing is it just that you've always done it or do you still have to kind of go right you have to sit down for this time now I think the the good thing about being um, a keyboard player is that you can put headphones on and not disturb people so much and not feel so like embarrassed of everyone hearing your mistakes right when you're learning stuff because I think if I was learning stuff and everyone could have heard me I'd have been a bit more like actually I, I, I need to hire a studio and go somewhere and learn all this stuff but right. with headphones sort yeah of... drummers have it hard that way yeah <laughs> you can't it's, just it's, practice chilling yeah yeah you're gonna piss everybody off um to be fair even just using headphones with mine uh, the, the voice life um yeah. And just being able to sit with the electric and practice like that. Yeah. I find myself putting more hours in because you're not as worried about bothering people because it's just the electric sound's not going to carry that far. Yeah. Yeah. They can just hear the of the plectrum on the string. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, a door will cover that with the same way you can hear the, like the keyboard. I can't wait to hear you play this thing. It's, 
I don't know. I've, I've pre-recorded most things for my gig tomorrow because I'm too scared of things going wrong. Because I've learned like... a bunch of new stuff. I've got a singer. It's my second gig with me not being the main singer. No way. Yeah, it's weird for me. It's very interesting. It, it's wow. it's definitely helping my playing because I'm like looking at songs in a different way that I haven't had to do before. Yeah. Because you were also saying earlier, like as a solo covers musician, it's very yeah. different. You can just listen to the gist of a song and just play the gist if you want to. Yeah. You know, or, or you can just change your mind halfway through and go, like, actually, I've just had an idea. This song totally would work with this song. And I'm just going to now mash that up. Whereas if you've got a couple of musicians with you on stage, they're going to look at you. Where are we going? What are we doing? I mean, um, that happens to me all the time. Yeah, but you're very good at directing us. So. <laughs> That's sweet. Or, you know, sometimes that could just be also we've all learned to like communicate. Maybe. Because there is an element to which people, people who've worked with me for the uh, like before for the most part like have got the idea yeah but like certainly there is a sense when i get to zazu yeah um like which is the main for anyone who doesn't know the main function band me and carly do which we've been doing for two years now yeah um wow. but yeah isn't oh, it crazy we're like yeah. proper friends no. <laughs> proper friends <laughs> supposed to do those fake bastards yeah um no and like um <laughs> but, but, like when i get back to zazu yeah. you know all my irritations with you know i've snapped at me and ryan have snapped yeah. at each other or whatever yeah. um or me and chump are yeah. um but like you know i always go back to it and i'm like oh we get each other on stage even if we're in pissed yeah. each other off like we do know how to communicate and i think that comes with playing together yeah totally yeah it's lovely when you can build an actual band i'm sure you've noticed at the end of a tour the band sounds so different to the beginning oh my god yeah and actually with Oz Mutantas, the the gig that we did to the 70,000 people in Brazil was the 15th gig in a row. Um, right. And uh, we this band don't rehearse. So we, you know, I'm just going on tour with them and, and I haven't had a rehearsal. And uh, the I remember the keyboard, the other keyboard player saying to me, at the end of the gig, like, oh, those first 14 gigs were the rehearsals. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, now we've got it. And I think it did, like, take that because the 15th gig, like, it was perfection. We really just played well. Um, it was, you know, all the other gigs, the audience had loved and everything. But the difference between how we played on that 15th mm. time, um, I don't know, 15th, a lucky number. It just happened to be for our particular group of people that... Um, yeah. Do you think so it's a case better. of rehearsal or it's a case of just sometimes the stars aligning on a gig? Like, mm -hmm. you know, the audience, the people's energy, the people's health on stage, like yeah. sound. Every yeah, maybe. Yeah, sound has a lot to do with it. Like, sound engineer is the most important person in the room, I think. Because if you've got a fantastic sound engineer, then, then you just, you sound good. So you feel invincible. Yeah. So you perform really, really well. And you just yeah. like, like Freak Power, who I'm playing with, we, um, what was the gig we did? Oh, in um, um, Austria, we played a festival with Gregory Porter. Last oh, wow. Summer. Do you remember me telling you this? Vaguely. I don't know if you said Sam is a big fan. Yes, maybe. Did you say did that? Did I? I might have said that. Is I he a fan? Know. I'm or sure he is. someone else said that to me. Anyway, um, and the sound was so good that even though we didn't have the regular bassist who in, in that particular band like the bass really pins all the songs together and he wasn't there on this gig he was touring with someone else and we had the Depp um, who we hadn't played with before and also the bassist in this band is the him and the backing vocalist are the only original members and right. so they really know the set inside out and it was both of those two who couldn't make this particular gig and we hadn't played together in a long time and yet we all agreed like this, this is the best we've ever played. And it was because of the sound being so good that you just, you couldn't fail to, to let it work. It was just like, right. wow, this is just rocking. Um, do you so, think that's to do with like, um, the sound engineer or the, or the venue a lot of the time? Cause of course um, the venues, acoustics. Yeah. And like what, um, that goes there. what, um, the, what equipment they have obviously is is going to make a big difference um what system they use but i think no i i like to think it's the sound engineer the yeah. the the lead engineer that's you know if they're 
if they're good at their job, they're going to make everyone in that room happy. They are the most important person in the yeah. room. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it kind of makes sense, especially on those big gigs where you can get it so horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can get it wrong on a wedding gig too, but... We, we might get it wrong tonight at Casablanca. Well, Des is doing it. Yeah, well, he won't get it wrong, but, you know, I will get oh. it wrong. <laughs> we will. I don't yeah. think it... No, it's going to be great. <laughs> like, I don't know half the songs. I don't know any other songs. What's that just fucking tell me? <laughs> but yeah, I had half of Zazu last week. And I didn't, and then I didn't. Half? Who, what, Chump and? Oh, no, mind, it was just Chump. Just Chump. I didn't that's, ask Lindsay because I know half. she hates that time. Yeah, yeah, it's too And late. she was moving out the next day. I need to ask how that went. Yeah. Lindsay's our bass player. She's cool. Yeah. You, you need get, a female upright bass player. On, on, I should because she did on the mamas on, on. Jules Holland. Yeah, that guy. But also, <laughs> like, she's, she's just got, like, what's your podcast called? Cover Monkeys. Cover Monkeys. So. I'm on here because I'm a monkey. Yeah, basically. I wish I was a monkey. Oh, yeah, you um, like you have a thing for monkeys. I do. You need to send me a picture of, of one of your monkeys. That sounds really dirty. <laughs> I could show it to you right now. <laughs> if you want. I don't know what she I'm She has a about. lot of, like, teddy monkeys. Do you yeah. call them teddies here? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Or cuddly oh, toys. Cuddly toys. Yeah, because yeah, a teddy's more like a bear. A teddy could also be like a nightgown, I think, in America, which is not... Oh, yeah. A monkey-flavoured nightgown, that would be just weird. Yeah. I've had one glass of wine. That's not good. <laughs> anyway, she has lots of monkeys. No, I, I mean, do. the thing is, but I just think it, it's general. Like, I'm going to get Zion here as well. Um, yeah, great. And, like, I just think it's just working musicians who aren't necessarily what you'd call famous. Yes. So who aren't necessarily... Although you are famous in Brazil. Not really, come on. I mean, um... You were not... pretty famous for a oh, time. <laughs> for that one summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like big in Japan, but big but... in Japan. You know that's I'm quite big right. in Germany. Oh, yeah, people know you in Germany. I have that's a cool. little following. Germany's really good for original music. A lot of people say that. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. They just care more than England. Yeah, they, yeah, they seem to want to go to, like, independent venues more. Those... Are they just all hipsters? And, yeah, like real ones, not annoying ones who <laughs> made Brighton too expensive for anyone to live in. Um, yeah, Germany's good. Um, what was, well, you just what went and did your solo show. Yeah, oh, we I just did. Yeah. We were talking, okay, so you went to uh, France and you did this tour with... Nadea, yeah, and that was really good for me because I learned a lot about how to play in a group and how it is to tour in different continents. We went to Australia, which is we went to South America. We played the Montreux Jazz Festival, which is like the probably the, yeah. the, the festival I wanted to play in my career. Um, that's quite a dream there. thing. That's quite an, and t ticking off quite early in your career yeah. as well. Yeah, it's and the huge... awesome thing about her as well was that um, she let me be her support act. Um, so I got to like c continue being me and a singer songwriter and open all right. the shows. Um, so that's like, yeah, it was really. That's quite was... a lot of work though to be kind of navigating your own show and then making sure you're. It was, but if you're there, then that's kind of what you want to be doing, isn't it? Yeah, true. Like, it, it was cool. Nadea, if you're listening, thank you for doing that. You're a very nice person. Not for having me on your gig. For like, letting me be her support act as well. Yeah. Like, Did you find was there was a difference? Did you find it a struggle going from being more like a frontman type running the show uh, to then being someone else's... Musician. Musician. Um, no, I just, I really loved every every bit of it. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Um yeah, it's a really nice thing to do. I've done that with someone else as well. Oh, with Z, with Z Star. Yeah, I've done being her support act. We played a show at the Jazz Cafe in Camden. Um, that she did. She did an amazing show, and um, yeah, she was gracious enough to let me be her support act for that one as well. So it's really, it's really fun because kind of interest just financially. Do you get mm. money for that support slot on an originals tour? Uh, yeah. Okay. But you usually get like a really small amount and that's why like the management or the tour company are really happy for someone in the band to do the support because you're already having your flights and everything paid for. You're already accounted for and, and so they just like slip you a bit extra. And 
Usually yeah. you're only playing for 20 minutes anyway, so it's not like... So it's not it's taking not a big amount you for you, and no. so it's actually just a nice little bonus, yeah. and you actually and you enjoy playing. To sell to your fair. stuff afterwards, and so, yeah. I, I loved doing those things. I missed that quite a bit. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you've... So you did that. Yeah. So you did... Okay, so you did Nadea, and then kind of... Is Nadea still performing? She's she's just started performing again. She's had a child, and so she went back to her family in Australia, and uh, now she's performing with James, who just released an album. Um, and um, she is... Um, yeah, she's back on the road uh, with okay. her bubba. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's that must be crazy, having kids and still touring and playing yeah i think it's a big problem for a lot of people yeah like, um yeah i don't think she'll mind me saying like she she wanted to to do a tour like much earlier than this with nouvelle vague who were the band that she sort of became known um uh via and uh they just they couldn't make it happen because the child was too young and mm. you know she yeah, it's a choice you have to make. But even with but functions, like uh, there's a couple of our friends who've had kids now, yeah. and like two of them working musicians, they're like, "Oh crap, we yeah. didn't realize like one of us has got to. We yeah. can't both take gigs on that night because yeah. one of us has to look after the kid." Yeah, it's really stressful. Yeah, that that's a interesting one. Yeah, yeah. right. Sorry. So yeah. you did Nadea after Nadea. Yeah. You back in France, so that was like. Yeah, it was. So I was in France um, for another few years and. And then I, I put together a band with my friend Dio and we did a band called Melody 101 and we put a, an album out called Baked in a Pie. We toured a lot in Which Germany. is a super cute album. Go check it out on Thank Amazon. Thank you very much. Wait, I don't know where's the best place it's, to buy I it. I don't know. Spotify, iTunes, it's just the usual. Oh, um, I didn't know it was on Spotify. I bought it. Did you? I'm a real friend. You're so <laughs> sweet. Yeah. I'm such a good friend. I bought it. Which a penny probably goes to you, but... Oh mate, you're I'm a so, real fake fan. You are lovely. You <laughs> dickhead. Are, you are. Sorry, a duckhead. You, yeah, you're a lovely duck head. Um, yeah. Okay, so anyway, so baked in a pie, which is which is a really cool album, and then you did that together in France. Yeah, we put that out, and we toured quite a lot in Germany. Um, we we kept trying to tour in. France How did you get your was, stuff to Germany out of interest? It was like, actually oh. through Nadea because I'd been doing all her support act stuff, and a lot of the her shows were in Germany. She had a following there, and they all came onto my mailing list. And then people from those venues would kind of say to me, like, like you know, the programmers afterwards, like, we really liked your show. Do you have a band? Do you, are you interested in doing a show here yourself? So I got together like quite a lot of venues that wanted to hire me and my band. So I went over as a trio and then, um, yeah, we developed a following and we got some really good um, reviews and radio um, play. I'm yeah. still getting some nice PRS from the radio in Germany. Nice. Um, yeah. Good. <laughs> so that was like, yeah, the next bit. And then I just wanted to get back to England and my family and my friends here. So then I moved back, and that was when I met you. Ah, uh, yes, and you became a yeah a ridiculous human. Joined the, <laughs> joined the crew of idiots. Yeah, a special silly is crew. better hashtag. Hashtag silly is better hashtag. Yeah, uh, that's how it goes. Yeah, no weirdos. But okay, so um, I want to say like it's interesting with um the mailing list thing because that's something Z mentioned when I was chatting to her as well. Uh huh. Like, do you think that's something that's died out a bit? Because I know for a while when you're reading any music book that comes out of kind of entering into that yeah, internet era that everyone was like, no, just mailing lists. It's all about the mailing list. Yeah. I, I'm not being rude here. I'm just looking on my mailing list because I, I did like... Oh Put no, a post out. It's not on here. Like, I was... I... I told you that I gave a lecture on songwriting. You uh, did, which is most exciting. That's a new thing. And um, yeah, and at at, uh, at Brunel University, and um, actually, something I was talking about was the mailing list. That's why I'm bringing that up. Um, ah. But it doesn't seem to be on my phone here. I think it's on my computer, which is in my car. Um, anyway, my laptop. Um, what I was going to say was that. Um, with my second album, Pocket Full of Rye, I did a solo tour and a proportion of the albums I gave away in exchange for a um, email address. Right. Um, and I also, you know, some gigs 
realized people were going to buy it anyway so just like really went for it on the whole mailing list thing and got yeah. like a shit ton of email addresses in and um it's really i think it is a good thing to do i think still now like it's better to send an email that doesn't just say hey everyone sorry i've not been in touch for a long time too busy uh, i've got a gig can you all please come um but that is actually really like engaging and gives like part of your personality and actually connects to people and i was what i showed at this um lecture i did yesterday was my most successful mailing list email which was like far and above any email like normally i send to all my mailing list which has got i think something like three thousand email addresses on it now nice um and I get maybe one reply and it's from my mum. Uh, <laughs> and she's asking me like, when are we next meeting for coffee? Yeah. And then I would be like, God, maybe no one received the email. Maybe it's going to everyone's junk. So then a few friends who I know are on the list are like, yeah. did you receive my email by the way? And they'd be like, yeah, it's great. So, and then this one email I sent to the mailing list, I got like over a hundred replies from it. And so I was like, okay, this is the difference. I took a lot of time over this. I sent them a poem all about how hard it is to be a um independent musician right and um like the last line was basically reminding them how important it is that they play their part in the conversation which is come to the gig at the end of it and then the gig i had after that was like the most people that i've had and wow. it was and a lot of people said to me like that poem was just like i couldn't resist like i had yeah. to come i wish i had the poem i could read it to you and you know you'd say I to can me pause my and god go. carly it's should finished. we do a pause I've, I've got i can pause do you really do you want yeah it? let's pause do you want it how much do you want it i want it so badly i'm gonna pause this thing right here <coughs> right carly has her poem i found my poem so if it's let down it's a bit long but okay so this was the poem that actually reached people and i think the reason it did is because it was me communicating to them and i wrote it when i realized like oh shit i haven't written my mailing list for ages and i just and it's content as well yeah it's content baby oh sorry i moved the microphone so this is the your face (laughs) the email says excuse my lack of communication i ought to work on my public relations the truth is that i've been caught in a trap a vacuous fatuous commercial pap of likes followers and endless pics and facebook updates that give such a quick and non-personal look into who i want to be and who art thou carly i'm an artiste that's me now an artist's job in these uncertain times reaches far beyond guitars and singing in rhymes what is it you do i'm so often asked well skip the next stanzas or listen to me bask in the poor me i'm so busy in between shows my fingers more conversant with my macbook pro than the keys of my piano upon which i must rehearse or the paper and pen that await my next verse i email promoters bookers producers musicians declaring this hard work is fruitless magazine writers sound engineers photographers working for their names to appear on the photos you publish on the website you buy that proclaims your success is flying sky high when the truth is each day it's scary to be an artist whose product is the archaic cd but wait music isn't just downloads and streams it's alive and it's raucous and it's real it's a scream let's rise off our sofas give the finger to routine let's get hit by a kick drum and a tambourine are you still reading this poem that's no mean feat for 1478 characters far outweighs a tweet so i thank you and i leave you and i hope to see you soon a concert with no audience is a night sky with no moon oh that's lovely that's not disappointing at all that's amazing and it's a good commentary on like yeah it kind of sums up like how i was actually feeling about my work at the time because yeah like um the bit about my fingers are more conversant with my macbook pro than the keys of my piano it's like yeah yeah there's it's more of the job in a way it's like emailing people which is is the truth and i think it's always gonna be but i think it's nice to be honest with people i think we're scared to it's something i discussed with my mum, and i don't know how relevant it is to this because we'll get back to that but like this kind of Facebook world we live in and Instagram, especially for like younger people or people who are just concerned with that. 
like you can see so many people's like shiny bits of their lives and think oh it's amazing yeah and i think one thing across the board that people relate to is vulnerability uh -huh. and and so not being like oh my life is so shit or i can't believe not bitterness but just saying hey like yeah yeah i'm spending so much time doing this like i just really want an audience like this is how we yeah like, i'd love you there and as well giving content like, yeah that's a beautiful poem thank you. you you've told a story you've given them something and i think everyone says if you give people content yeah not just like look i'm shiny yes do you think i mean is that what you'd say is part of it yeah i think it's just again like writing songs like be authentic be be true um but we're all navigating this thing and we don't really know how it works um because yeah. it's brand new um I mean, it's not brand new anymore, but it's, yeah. But it's, it's ever changing. I mean, kids don't, we all use Facebook and kids don't use Facebook. Yeah. I found that out recently. I was like, what? Yeah. No, they're only Instagram and Snapchat. They, Facebook is for old people. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. So I think just this idea is it's, it's never going to be static. No. The industry is never going to be static. So you've just kind of got to roll with it and keep on trying to adapt each medium to best serve you. Yeah, and I, I remember like hearing someone on a, like a YouTube tutorial at some point that, you know, sometimes it's the middle of the night and you can't remember why you're watching YouTube. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've gone on some mad trail uh, of all different the time. recommended videos. <laughs> I mean, I do that, but it's usually with like cat videos. Cat videos, yeah. And bunny videos. <laughs> anyway, so you, you went down the YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah, and, um, and, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> and on it that note... It just made me think of, like, rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. So, we, okay. So, you went on this thing because we were talking right. about how the industry is... Oh, yeah. There was someone giving, like, a apparent, apparent, like, tutorial on how to how to best, like, grow your um, Instagram audience and, like, to, like, make a um spreadsheet of like times like for a month in advance of like making sure you've covered this part of your career then this part and this part and like that you've covered different times of day to be posting and it was so i felt so depressed listening to this yeah. i was like it's something i would never ever want to do and i think like that's not authentic and people can smell bullshit and yeah. i think you know, there might be some labels where that's working, like a system is working. But I think, like, if you're an independent artist, you just, like, some, like the posts that I put that get the most attention ever are always, like, the stupid, goofy ones where I've just, oh, like... God, you know. the one that I got the most attention was me playing all the wrong notes to Happy Birthday oh, right. for my sister's boyfriend. Like, on the melodica going... <laughs> it's just like me like like dad's going no it's a b just go to the b i'm like what and then five minutes like oh yeah it's the b <laughs> like, yeah. it's really tough but that's because it was just unedited and stupid. yeah it's weird the things that like i remember with dio like we put so much work into our first album together and then it was his mum's birthday and like the day before his mum's birthday he posted like he's very rarely on Facebook and he posted like our new album this is my first album Carly's been so generous to to share this with me like I've put all of me inside of it please friends stay. and he got like maybe you know 20 likes and a few comments yeah. the next day it's his mum's birthday and he puts a selfie of him and his mum on like happy birthday mum love you and literally like 250 likes <laughs> he was so annoyed why are Just people like... so fickle like they they it's too much hard work for them to click on a soundcloud link to listen to an album and to yeah. actually take that in Whereas just a photo of like two big teethy grins is like yeah. easy to, oh, that's nice. Click. It's weird. Like I was speaking to someone the other day, oh, I've forgotten who it was. And they were saying like, I was so excited because like my one video had like 2000 views or my yeah. one. Oh, it was Richard, the photographer. Oh yeah. And he was like, and then I looked on the stats. It was like 10,000 views or something. It was, it was a good number. And he looked on the stats and like most of those people 
909 you know 98,000 whatever it yeah. was had only watched the first 15 hadn't even watched the first 15 seconds wow they just clicked on and clicked yeah. off so it's like it's a very fast pace and I don't know like I kind of like I agree with you all that talk about doing all this stuff to stand out and you got to yeah. be this guy and you got to be yeah. that that kind of removes it so far away from actually connecting with people yeah that you're like I don't I don't like this I don't want to do it if it's this and perhaps you're trying to achieve a goal that's somebody else's goal in the end that it's it's like society's goal for like the amount of times I don't know you get this like you should go on x factor or yeah. you know you should do this and and you're actually no that's not my goal um and mm. you know oh god you're like you're useless on your Facebook account you should like my my official music account is so bad I ne I just forget yeah. it exists my Twitter I forget it exists just like, attach actually, your Instagram to it that doesn't yeah could do that's that. what I do and then you just share it and then it goes like whether um, it matters yeah. or not I don't know but it goes there yeah but if you don't even know if it matters then why bother it's like there is that and and people like it's just music is different these days like there's so many musicians so 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 many that actually like maybe this is where i want to be like this yeah. this like releasing independent albums like playing with different musicians touring um like i'm i'm not rich from this but i'm okay yeah like, and and the goal shouldn't be to get rich like there's no other yeah. job where well, except maybe, yeah, there's a lot of jobs where the goal is to get more rich. But, but Music where, isn't uh, one of them. Music yeah. is never one of them. No but one got into like it to get rich. Maybe some people did, uh, but... I think some people go into it to get famous. Yes. I think that's a genuine goal of a lot of people, and that's where yeah. the X Factor thing comes from. You're kind of like, you know, I, I, so many people will come up to you and say, you should go on this, or like, you know, oh, it's such a shame, you know, more musicians are making them. And I'm kind of going earning a decent living yeah am i earning amazingly no yeah you know can i afford all the things i want no one can ever yeah so, yeah like but i'm doing well yeah you know for whatever context and same to you yeah and so and i've done all these awesome things yeah like if i wanted to go make money i could so it, it, it is all be famous like and sure just that that's not the goal no that's but i do think something that's interesting because of course you say there's more musicians now than ever yeah i don't know whether that's true or it's just globalization has made us aware of them yeah because of the internet and like i think i think things might go back to community and yeah. local community might become more important i hope you're right yeah because like i just think people the same way people want longer discussions people don't People are craving not just having a 15-second clip or these arguments on a, a news channel of, like, this yeah. person being, I believe this and I believe this, and you don't get to have any depth. Yeah. Like, I think people want, you know, just locals. And that's why I kind of wanted to do this as well. Yeah. It's because I didn't want to, like, I found it's a sense of detachment. Oh, cool, it's a famous person talking about their famous stuff. I can't fully relate to that. Yeah, yeah. I can't fully relate to controlling your diet when you have a personal chef. I can't fully relate to, you know, family dramas when you live and when money's barely an issue. Uh -huh. You know, so I kind of wanted all like practice time when you don't have to do that shitty job you hate. Yeah. So it's just I, I wanted to like speak to people like who, who are kind of, you know, yes, there are aspirations in what they do, but I can yeah. kind of vaguely relate to. Yeah. And I think that, and hopefully, I think as we as soon as we acknowledge that community, because I do think it is there. Yeah, yeah. And no, uh, so yeah. So yeah, what's the plan? Are I you making right. a new album? Uh, yes, I am. I'm making a new album to release in spring, um, and I've not made a plan yet about it. I've got a half a melody 101 album that uh, we need to complete, and then I've got like a bunch of songs that I've just been writing whilst I've been touring and that I, I need to put out in some form or other because if I don't then I'm no longer a singer-songwriter in my mind mm -hmm. so I need to keep putting music out um, for my own sanity and do you definitely want to do it in the album format yeah there? I love okay. albums I've, I just love them <laughs> yeah, no, I just love them uh, <laughs> no but I do think there's value in, there's value in like a body of work that you can sit down with rather than that fast food yeah I don't know. It's not that I I 
It's not, I never overthink it. It's just something that I naturally find I want to do. So yeah. I just sort of follow my nose on that. And yeah. I've got a big nose, so. You don't have a big nose. It is. Sometimes I look at photos and I just, all I can see in the photo of like 10 people is my nose. <laughs> and I can see that. You have a big nose. My nose is bigger than you. You had a caricature oh. done. I've had a caricature done. Yeah, I remember you told me. And, and they put teeth. teeth. <laughs> yeah. So even the caricature artist didn't go, oh, she has the nose, I can exaggerate. Yeah, maybe. So clearly you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's how we're going to end this. Okay. Carly's wrong about it. Just like a sudden end of the edit. Yeah. Clearly you're wrong. Bye. Bye. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks Carly for joining me. This oh, was thanks Roxy. Well um, done on your on your podcast. You're doing a marvellous job. I've done two one of them is my dad <laughs> that's awesome he, he talks a lot <laughs> i'm gonna listen to it now he also does talk about women women in derogatory ways he does oh. apologize oh okay good he tries to be honest oh okay <laughs> sometimes <laughs> he goes like... to the story of all the places to be fair kim might know some of them uh, yeah yeah i'm gonna tune into that one. Oh yeah but anyway yeah, yeah i mean there's lily Lily Bridges. I'd say that because he's Lily Lee online, but his name is Lee Bridges. Oh, okay. He's an adult, not like a child. Uh-huh. Lily. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah, but he, he was really cool. And like he had some interesting insights and stuff. Cool. But we have to leave it early because Carly says she can't talk for three hours. Which... And we're off to play at Casablanca. <laughs> oh, yes. Very exciting. And to watch a Z star. <laughs> yes. Is that her name? Like her name? Her name is Z, like Z E E. And then her band name is like just the letter Z. Dash star. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, we're going to watch her acoustic set first and then go play a show to a random bunch of drunk people. Yeah, will like us. Random bunch of what people? Drunk. Drunk. Yeah. I don't know. Munch cows in Now, Lydia threw it out and you can tell me he ain't unforgettable. Captain Wrong Notes Riding.